Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. Has he got a new Rolex on? No, it's not new. Oh. This is my alternative wardrobe. Clocks go forward and so does the drip. The drip always goes forward. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast on Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks man. How are you? Very well indeed. I am in the UK, unlike your good self. You have returned to Germany. I was briefly in the UK, yeah. Bit of work, bit of family time. It's good. You hang out with the Wrighty's House gang, weren't you, in Shoreditch? Yeah, we did a, we did a little Wrighty's House fun flowers event outside Shoreditch Box Park. When was it? Tuesday. That was Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who came down. And people who stopped by on their way to work. I met some Stadio listeners. Oh, very nice. Oh, so there's I. I never, I never yeah. get to do this. Mm. Yeah, so I was just get fed the myth of just, oh, wow. I, I got, to, oh, got to meet so many Stadio listeners. Oh, I'm like, where, where are all these Stadio listeners? Famously, as we've mentioned, even when they've come up to you and we've been sat outside a cafe and been like, oh, well. Lisa, big fan <laughs> of the pod. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? Stadio listeners are out. Listen, if you, if you left the house, you'd see them. <laughs> Even though I was kind of just <laughs> mooching around, hanging back a little, a few of them found me. Trying to avoid detection. Listen. It was, it was lovely. It was just lovely to yeah. meet some people who, who listen. It was really cool. Can I say also, shout out to Malcolm and Tracy and her friend Slev. I was in Lisbon um, recently. But the two studio listeners in Lisbon, which was amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Shout out to them. Like lovely, lovely humans. Musa was in Lisbon searching for Clarence Sadoff. Trying to start up the flat cap gag. <laughs> Do you know what's he'd funny? Hide, he'd hide a golf buggy and everything. Do you know what? That's a pre-ring a stadio reference. So if anyone... That's a deep that. cut. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is... Flat cap gag. Flat cap gag. I didn't... <laughs> so meta. Referencing our own podcast. Okay. Well, sorry. Yeah. So yeah. Flat cap gag. For those who know, know. Yes. Just, it's a wholesome What reference. was that? Was that from... We were doing an awards. Um, we were doing a... Um, no. Was that the all-star? No. Was it the all-star episode? We're picking a stadio like all-star. Um, yeah. all our teams and where would we play the game yeah we play the game and I came up with a scenario where me and Clarence Sadoff went around Lisbon in on a, a golf buggy on a golf buggy with flat caps on the flat cap gang it was just the way that you said it so nonchalant you know oh go around Lisbon with Clarence Sadoff get a golf buggy <laughs> I can <laughs> I can hear my response to it now it's just like get a golf buggy <laughs> anyway love Lisbon let's do some admin because we've not done a podcast for 10 days. Goodness. Sorry, we, we were away. We, we, we had to squeeze in this little bit of stuff and it just meant we couldn't do podcasts during the men's international break. But we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well uh, with everything that's going on at the moment. And obviously we are still in a pandemic, so we hope everyone's safe and well on that front, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can. Um, today is Trans Day of Visibility. It is indeed. We want to say happy Trans Day of Visibility to all of our 
trans and non-binary listeners at Stadio. We've had many emails from trans listeners or those who identify as non-binary. So it means a lot to us that this is a place that you feel safe and welcome. And we believe that everyone in football, no matter what level you are in terms, if you're in the sport or if you're in the media, you know, to make trans and non-binary people feel welcome, seen, safe. And uh, it means a lot that this is a place that you feel that you do so. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the love today. And it should be like that every day. Absolutely. Ah, oh, joyful start. I love that. Well, you know, there's enough shit going on in the world. Facts upon facts. You have to celebrate the bits of love, man. That's absolutely right. Because if you don't, what else do you have? Exactly. What's the point? What are we doing this for? We can't be joyful. Yeah. We can't be joyful. What are we doing it for? Other bits of admin. Righty's House will be back next week as normal. But also, because we missed last week and Monday, we're going to do a bonus episode on Friday. Bonus Stadio episode tomorrow. We're going to be recording it after the World Cup draw. So it'll go up late European time Friday. We'll wrap up the rest of the Women's Champions League games because there are a couple tonight. We're recording this ahead of those ones and we'll react to the World Cup draw. So there you go. A little bonus stadio for you. That's great. Other bits of admin, theringer.com forward slash soccer and theringer.com in general. Oh, also, um, I'm going to be on the Ringer F1 pod again. It's going to be really fun by the sounds of it. Kevin hit me up and was just like, we're, we're basically doing a draft. Oh, wow. Drivers, car team principles, wildcard, all of that stuff. It sounds really fun. I'm really looking forward Amazing. to that. I think that's all the admin. Yeah. All right. So today we are going to talk about the Women's Champions League games that happened on Wednesday night. Mm. And we will talk a little bit about some World Cup qualifiers, but let's get into it after this. Let's do it. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. All right, man, we have to begin in one place. Yes, we have to. Let's do it. Uh, we're going to start in Camp Nou in Barcelona. Gutted I couldn't be there. It has been a while since I have had FOMO of this level. Flo put it in the right house group and she was absolutely right. The FOMO of missing out of this game. Barcelona 5, Real Madrid 2 in the second leg of the Women's Champions League quarterfinal. Went through 8-3 on aggregate. It, the, first, the opening 20 minutes of this looked like it was going to be a hell of a game. And it was still a really, really good game. We'll get onto the game in a minute, but let's deal with the historic context aspect yeah. of this game. It is now a world record attendance for an official women's game. Yeah. It's definitely the highest attendance for a, for a women's club game. 91,553 at Camp Nou. Iconic. And I believe that the only game that has bettered it was... The 1971 Women's World Cup final at the Azteca, which was 110,000 between Mexico and Denmark. Incredible. However, as we know, back then, this was 
not officially recognised by FIFA and all of the confederations, etc. Isn't it ridiculous having, you can put in 110,000 fans to a non-official game? Yeah, I know, That's I know, incredible. I know. Yeah, yeah, no, but, still, but, but still, still. Yeah, but still. We have to give that a mention because there was obviously, since federations started to organise the, the women's game as well, there has been a little bit of an elimination of certain parts of, of history. Yeah. But still, in the modern era specifically, since women's football has been professionalised, just an unbelievable occasion. A little bit mischievous of me. I thought, this is footballing equality because mm-hmm. we had a Classico in Barcelona on a weeknight. It was quite an early kickoff, yep. 6.45 local time. Mm. Everyone was fucking late. Yes, yes. Everyone rocked up late and I was just like, here we are. The stadium is full eventually, but for kickoff, everyone was a little bit late, which didn't affect the opening atmosphere at all. But I was just like, here we are. This is it. This is what it should look like. This should be normal. A sellout Classico for the women and people are still kind of like, well, I mean, what is it? Quarter to seven local times of what people are still finishing lunch in Barcelona. Oh my God. Wow. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that shots fired? That's not shots fired. You know, there was an amazing thing recently. I think Emily Oran shared it a couple of weeks ago (laughs) of like the average, the average dinner times throughout Europe and and Barcelona was just, you know, Spain was just super late. No, I'm going to say shots fired because this will become a meme where like at some point we'll be like, We'll record a podcast at midnight at some point. And somebody like, oh yeah, if you're in Barcelona. Or- Salmon breakfast. Good evening, everyone. Or in Barcelona. <laughs> breakfast. Exactly. That's what's going to turn into. <laughs> Can Elevenses. I say this? People have elevenses in Barcelona at 11 p.m. <laughs> the, first, the, first time I was in Sp- the first time I was in Spain as an adult, it blew my mind. Like that two hour middle of the day when it just, I was like, where is everyone? It was like ghost Listen. protocol. Everyone just vanished. <laughs> Protect siestas at all costs. All costs. <laughs> anyway, what an occasion this was. And what a game it was, actually. Some unbelievable goals in this game. Can I say this about the Barcelona? One thing that is most amazing. I've, I've tried to work out what was, what was so good about them. And I think it's this. Regardless of what is happening in the match, they just keep playing the same way. That sounds like a, that, that sounds like a really obvious thing to say. At any point in this tie, even when it was like, oh, like that might happen, whatever. Barcelona were like, okay, like go again. It was basically the equivalent of like a seven aside team that's been playing together for ages. Every part is just so coordinated and there's no hurry, no stress, no like rushed attempts. It's just constant pressure. And it, that's, that's why it's brutal, I think. Yeah. And also I think the first leg proved that Barcelona had a game on their hands because yeah, yeah. in the first leg, which happened while we were away, uh, Real Madrid took an early lead. Olga put them ahead within inside 10 minutes. And they were kind of doing okay. They held Barcelona at bay. They didn't really get overrun. And then Barcelona got a really questionable penalty, which Proteus put away just after half time, about uh, 53 minutes, I think it was. And then that kind of sapped a bit of the momentum out of Real Madrid. Mm. But they, it still took Barcelona until the 80th minute to take the lead, 81st minute to take the lead. And yeah. then Proteus got that beautiful goal in stoppage time at the end. Mm. Mappy Leon took the lead in this game with a, it, I mean, it was a cross. Yeah. Mappy Leon here just kind of pulled out to the right-hand side, opened up, hit this cross with a left foot, and it just kind of flew in. I don't think there's, we're going to talk about the uh, PSG buying game later. And I don't think this was quite, say, like an error of the level of um, Janina Leipzig's for the uh, opening PSG goal. But then, what, eight minutes later, penalty 
to Real Madrid. Paredes practically caught it. That was it. That was level. And yeah, but the thing about this is just to jump in, they were level. But if you look where the Mappy Leon goal came from, down that right mm. flank, Graham Hansen has just been an, has been a holy terror on that flank for how many years? Since you joined. Yeah, since you right, joined. A holy joined terror. Ago, so, yeah. so then the kind of incursions that Madrid were conceding, it made that everything was tense. It was extremely, mm. I, I was stressed out and I was just watching it. Yeah, I mean, Barcelona, they were in complete control of the game. This is the thing. But then Real Madrid get an amazing goal to take the lead and it's what, 4-3 in the tie at that point? And you're thinking, hmm. Yeah, that goal, Zornoza's goal, it was weird because I saw her strike it now. She strikes it from inside the centre. Unbelievable goal. It's, an, it's one of the goals of the season, right? It's one of the goals of the season. Yeah. Given the context, the timing, all the rest of it, it's one of the goals of the season. To put your team 2-1 up, you're unfan... Because let's be frank, they'd never beaten Barcelona. So you know, since no, I mean, I think it's worth remembering for people who aren't aware, this is a side that haven't been Real Madrid for that long. They, right. were, they, were, they, were, a, they were a team called Tacon, yep. who essentially bought and absorbed by Real Madrid a couple of years ago, played another year as Tacon in the Primera and then rebranded as Real Madrid. So this is still a side that is very much in their early stages yes. of investment and development to the level of a number of professional teams around Europe. Right. And the progress they've made is unbelievable. I mean, obviously, you'd expect them to if they resources, were being... Resources, resources. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't a Real Madrid who have had the, the, the investment and the development that like the Leon dynasty side had or Barcelona have over the last five, six years. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah. So this is, they come to the fixture as underdogs. Oh, 100%, yeah. And so in the context of that, both the timing and the quality of this goal, after half time, maybe a little bit of anxiety creeping in because there's always anxious fans in a Barcelona crowd. Otherwise it mm. wouldn't be Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the context of Zornoza's strike was outstanding. So actually one of her forwards is offside when she strikes the ball. So I was worried. I was like, I was fearing they were going to call it offside. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I was afraid they were going to call it offside. Um, to quote an Okwongerism, the only thing that was interfering with play on that was destiny. Destiny, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> destiny is never literally offside. It may be spiritually offside occasionally. Destiny's never, never literally offside. Destiny's never offside. Destiny's no. never offside. That's a t-shirt. That is a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Destiny's offside child. Stunning. <laughs> <laughs> stunning, stunning, stunning. Um Strike. Have you missed me? From Zornoza. I, I did not miss you, Ryan. <laughs> well, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, I really missed you. Anyway, carry on. So that's this Stunning strike. The two one. And then it's just the gang. The the, the familiar the members of the gang. Yeah. Bon Matty just coming back. Bon Matty, like, okay, look. Wow. The only other footballer who could claim to be as underrated as Graham Hansen is Bon Matty. In my opinion, yeah, yeah, only because, only because Graham Hansen- In that side? Yeah, great, yeah. Well, I, I think, no, I think generally because if you think really? of like- Yeah, because you think of the award ceremonies and like who gets nominated, who doesn't, right? Bon Matty's name does not pop up enough in those kind of official list conversations. It's never high enough. When I look at it, I'm like, no, I never see our name high enough. And what I love about that is I think this team really fuels itself off grievance. <laughs> it really fuels itself off grievance. And to see her just striding through- um, to deliver that equaliser. It was just reset. It was like just refreshing. You know, when you have like your laptop is basically buggy for a while and just put on the power wash and mm. everything's just as clean after that. This was like the power wash goal. 
And then penis goal. Here's the thing, actually. Oh my God, this now, goal. That, so now good. that, that. People, are, people, are, people who should know better will be like, oh, yeah, was it intentional? Doesn't matter. I, actually, here's the thing as well. That was like, they call the postage stamp precision. There was the width. She had the width of the ball to aim at in terms of the mm. net. That is the only space she had because actually Rodriguez had really good angles for this and was still beaten. And this game, I think actually, you know, shout out to the great Kevin Williams. He said like Barcelona actually left a couple of goals on the table and I agree. I think this was just pure game management. I think when they went 3-2 up, it was then just the goals will come. There wasn't always an element of that with them, but I think mm. what I love about this fixture and the visibility of it I love people to see this and be like, oh, they, they do this every week. It's like, yeah, this is actually, this was, a, this was a good Barcelona performance. I won't say it was third gear, it's disrespectful to Madrid, but this was, this was basically a fourth gear Barcelona performance. Yeah, and also, of, I, yeah. Don't think we can under, I don't think we can underestimate, I, just, should, I mean, should we quickly, like, Alexia yeah. Puteas got the fourth, Caroline Graham Hansen at the far post. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Approaches finish. And that was it. Mm. Yep. Well, to what you were saying, it might be easy for us watching to underestimate how intense the pressure must have been to perform from this Barcelona side in front of a crowd that big in an, on an occasion like this. And the fact that A, it was a really, really good game to watch, mm. even though it wasn't as close as it looked like it might be in the early 20, open 20 minutes in the end, it kind of didn't matter. We got a spectacle we saw some vintage Barcelona play. Mm. And like, you've got to remember that a number of these people may never have seen Barcelona Firmini play before. It's like going to see a band that you've heard everything about and it's kind of like, all right, yeah, they actually, yeah, they're legit, they are this they're legit Incredible, yeah. You saw the celebrations afterwards, for example. The atmosphere there is an atmosphere I can't recall seeing for a long, long time. Well, they've restored, this is the irony, they've restored the identity of, you know, Barcelona more than a club and or, they have restored that identity. I think Xavi might have mentioned this or alluded to this, but in terms of carrying the torch for Barcelona through a really difficult time financially, it's kind of incredible. If you think about they the back were the club, Barcelona team. They were, they were, they embody it. And this is what I love about Barcelona, right? Like there's always somewhere, there's always some team, whether it's the youth team, whether it's the B, there's always someone in there somewhere in that infrastructure, even the basketball team that embodies what mm -hmm. Barcelona really is, right? The identity is always present somewhere in there. And it was funny because I was having a chat with someone online and it's like, it's, it's like, I hate the phrase Barcelona DNA. And I was like, I actually love it. I love the identity. I love the idea that there is an identity within the club because I think that's what it is. I was actually doing this conversation in Nottingham and someone said to me, what is a football club primarily? Mm. And I, what, what, what makes a great football team? And you know, I said, the first answer I said actually, I said identity actually. What do you stand for? What are your values? And I think that this Barcelona team, the things they've achieved, the football they've played, and not only just the football they've played, but the way they've done it, right? what they stand for, like um, the activism, um, the mixture of homegrown talent and international talent um, integrated, that to me is like, that's a thing shared by very, very few clubs, teams, outfits in existence. And to see them is kind of like, it's a privilege to witness that. And it's so lovely to see them growing and them changing so many perceptions of how football can be played. Because when I say perceptions, like this team has been dominant for a long time and there's no sign of letting up. 
you see them and the intensity is the same. And it's really, really hard to run it back. Actually, it's really, really hard to go back to back like this. You know, obviously no, no disrespect to Leon because Leon did this before. Leon had their dynasty. There are even more eyes on the women's game now. Mm. Even more eyes. There were a huge amount of Leon, no disrespect to them. But like now the intensity, the competitiveness, the Champions League now is at a level where it's, it's serious business. And to do that again, I would argue it's harder to rerun it. This is why... Pep's 2011 was greater than the 09 because 09, mm, people kind of see you coming, but by 2011, everyone is coming at you with their best shot. No question. You look at Real Madrid actually back to them to give them credit. The Super Cup, they gave Barcelona their absolute best shot and they frustrated them in a way I've never seen, like mm. this team frustrated. So for them to come at Barcelona again, knowing fully well what the risks were, what the areas of exploitation were, for Barcelona to do this is just is a supreme demonstration. Yeah, and I'm just really happy for them and for the institution of Barcelona. I'm happy for the members that stand for the best version of what Barcelona is. Um, I'm really happy for them today. Yeah, I mean, there is a number of people that I'm extremely happy for. The fact that you saw the whole squad, injured players and all. Mm. Some in leg braces, which I saw Diana Christine being like, yeah, this is great, but like, could you just go easy? You know? <laughs> So extra. They've got a few major injuries in that squad as well. Mm. It's easy to forget, you know, because of how good they are. But celebrating in front of the whole, like the crowd staying behind, celebrating with the players, Alexia Puteas grabbing the, one of the drums off the ultras at the front and, you know, singing LA, LA, LA. That's wild. That's wild. But also, there was an amazing moment. There's a, there were a few pictures you can find of it where everyone turned their phone lights on and the whole stadium was just wow. these little kind of like flat, like, fairy lights almost. It was beautiful. Rock and concert then, vibes, yeah. Yeah, and then after a game, Aitana Bonmati, she, she was interviewed and she said, I scored a goal that I dreamt about as a kid, but I think she said something like, I never knew it would be possible. You know, she scored a goal in a sellout Camp Nou in a Classico. Incredible, incredible. And Caroline Graham Hansen was interviewed by Semra Hunter after the game as well, who was pitch side. She got really emotional. She actually said, I could never have even dreamed about this growing up. And here I am, in, you know, in a Champions League quarterfinal in front of a sellout crowd here and we won the game in Classico. It was just, it was just amazing. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. And you know who else I'm really happy for as well? We, we follow a lot of women who have been covering the women's game for a long, long time. Mm. When I was thinking about saying this, I was like, actually, this kind of sounds a little bit patronising and I really don't want it to. Mm. We started Stadio, what, two and a half years ago mm. at a point where, you know, I'd already been to a Champions League final. You'd already been to a Champions League final many, many years ago before I'd been when the, the level of investment and coverage wasn't what it is now. Yeah, yeah. 2015, yeah. When I went, it was as part of this new initiative that UEFA and FIFA, uh, UEFA and Visa were doing this partnership and it was this new sponsorship deal for the Champions League and it was all kind of starting to go, you know. We started Stadio just after the Women's World Cup. The thing that I was thinking, I've seen people like, you know, a lot of people that we follow who cover the women's game and they're at Camp Nou on a Wednesday night in a Champions League quarterfinal and it's sold out and they're covering the game because, and they've been covering the game for a long, long time. Mm. Yes, they're in Barcelona, one of the most iconic stadiums of the world. It's sold out. They're covering a Champions League game. And I was just like, this is how it should be. This is how and it they should be. To create that. And yeah, they, helped they helped to create, create that. that. They were there. They created that. They were there before all the cameras, before it was shown on, you know, DAZN and before the money came rolling in. They were there before we were. Yeah, yeah. Know, before, before many of these brands who realised it was actually good business to get into the women's game, they were there when the mm. eyes weren't watching. And I'm just really pleased that they get to experience that. 
because they have been yes. to all kinds of grounds, all kinds of attendances when the eyes weren't on it or it wasn't being yeah. pushed front and centre and they played a major part in growing it. Yeah. Nothing was inevitable about this. this no. You know, what was really amazing about the support, so that, that Champions League final you mentioned, 2015, the one I went to, um, what was fascinating about that was you had teams that had been knocked out in previous rounds turning up to watch the final. Mm. So like footballers, like the solidarity there was absolutely incredible. And so when you talk about this praise, I think it's right because these weren't journalists. These, these aren't just reporters, they're activists, really. Yeah. Like because most, a lot of journalists, well, most journalists, frankly, when you're covering an issue, you don't have to build the profile of the issue before you're like, you're, you're reporting on the thing that's already there. But this was literally a situation where you had to build it while you were watching it, mm. like the infrastructure. And so many of those people watching I'm, I'm really glad that so many, like you say, I'm really glad that so many of them got to be actually present. Um, obviously, such a shame that Flo couldn't be there, but that's because Flo was um, doing her wonderful works, her great works elsewhere in the world. But I'm sure, Flo, I'm sure you were there in spirit and I'm sure you were great. And I just hope this isn't a one-off. This should be normal and it would be unbelievable if we got this all the time. Well, the thing is, you say that, we've got the Women's FA Cup final, Vitality Women's FA Cup final coming in May. So that's a great thing to lead on from. There's a great momentum. Women's Euros in the summer. Yeah, people are so excited by this. And the great thing is there's more women's football to buy tickets for. It's affordable. These are, you know, family environments. They're great vibes. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a nice little bit of momentum building now, I think. So Barcelona will face Wolfsburg or Arsenal in the semi-final. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that on Friday's episode. Let's quickly go to yep. the Parc de France which again was another great occasion, super loud. PSG Ultras are always at the women's games. They're really, they're really, really good support of their team. But PSG made hard work of this buy-in side, who I think came out of this with a huge amount of credit, considering the yes. absentees that they had. Seven people missing. Just through COVID. through COVID. Seven through COVID. And they have a number of injuries as well, numerous players missing. And they hung with PSG all the way to take it to extra time. And they could have won it in normal time. They were superior. They were superior, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, they will be kicking themselves, considering they couldn't really make changes. They had four players on the bench. Two of them were goalkeepers. That's how much they were down to the bare bones of the squad. And they put in such an incredible shift. The difference for PSG was their, their ability to bring on a player like Bachmann, who was the difference maker. Was. He was, was ex, who was she, put, she was a problem um, actually when she came on and you could sit like Ramona Bachman against tired legs is not yeah. something you want to face. Not at all. Can I just say this as well in terms of what Bayern did to PSG? This was really about midfield. Like Lena McGrew in midfield was majestic. Mm. Absolutely majestic. And in contrast to Kira Hamrari. Now this I have to say, I've never seen a team at this stage so reluctant to play through the middle. Mm. Kira Hamrari, when she was dominant for Barcelona, so much went through her, right? Point of reference. Dropping five yards off the play and just playing the triangles. I was watching the amount of times PSG were playing and I was just thinking, you're not going through the middle, you're not going through the flanks. So there's, there's, it created an impatience in their passing. So very often they were tried to hit the pass through a gap that hadn't appeared yet. So they'd overhit the gap or they'd overhit the pass. So it would go into the inside right or left channel and was harmlessly picked up by Bayern defenders. Or they simply wouldn't build the play and try and control tempo. There was, and it was so bizarre. It was like watching a team trying to play counterattack football without a counter. That's all I can explain. It was the strangest thing. It was, there was such an impatience in possession from them. And the three midfielders, Kuro, D 
Diallo and Hamrari looked like they'd barely played together. The chemistry was so strange. Yeah, I think PSG missed Zara Daybritz, who got injured in the first leg. And mm. while there have been games where she hasn't started for PSG, especially in the league, when she has been in there, she's been a real... I think mm. I've, I've always kind of really rated her as a player and she just kind of knits together that midfield a little better. Mm. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Gioro, I mean, this, I think the reason I'm frustrated is because PSG, to me, are the most dangerous matchup for Barcelona. They have the tools. We saw that with the set pieces. We saw that with the counter. So I think my frustration is really like, they felt like they slightly regressed. Like I love Katoto's movement. I think Baltimore is such a strong player. Um, Baltimore, actually, to be honest, should have put this thing away earlier, mm. in my opinion. But still, Baltimore really, really impressive. But in terms of what Bayern did, Berenstain is a player who I think maybe doesn't get quite enough uh, props for what she does for Bayern. But every time I see her, so impressive. Presses really, really well. Can play as a nine. Played here as a wide forward. Progresses the ball very well. Always creates dangerous overloads um, and has that intensity that's just really a kind of like a Bayern hallmark. And Julia Gwynn as well. Like this is, you know, Julia Gwynn is, at, you've got some generation of German footballers now with Oberdorf as well, young footballers who really, you know, you could put them alongside almost any midfield in the world, mm. I would say. Grin was really impressive. And just what Bayern did so well was just disrupting play in the inside left, inside right positions, pushing the ball forward. And really just, it felt like, you know, it felt, it felt like an arm wrestle where Bayern didn't quite have the extra strength for final push. Yeah, and I think the thing that will really frustrate them as well is just that like the goals came, well, not the goals, but like the opening goal specifically from Bayern mm. was just a horrific error. Like Janina Leipzig, she made up for it, I think, later in the game because she made a, number, yeah. a couple of unbelievable she was saves. Great. She was great after that. But she'll be really disappointed with that opener. And Saki Kumagaya as well was just kind of uncharacteristically like kind of sloppy in a lot of... Quite lax, quite yeah, lax actually. and they actually. got themselves yeah, into trouble yeah. a couple of times and it was kind of like, well, you're doing so well with like in the circumstances that most of PSG's danger seemed to come through self-inflicted errors from Bayern early on. Mm. I think as the game went on and like we mentioned, as it went into extra time with the fresh legs that PSG had available and the lack of depth available to Bayern on the bench specifically, let alone in the starting 11, it became a little bit more ominous which way it was going. But it must be so frustrating for Bayern because yes, they were really, really up against it. But mm. if they'd gone through in normal time, they w it wouldn't have been a smash and grab. They would have deserved it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they can be immensely proud because, yeah, this was a tough, tough ask. Going to Paris with who they had available, one of those really strange results that even though PSG won the game, they've got, they've got more to think about going forward than Bayern have, I think, after this game. I feel really sorry for Bayern because if you look at last season in the Champions League mm. and the way they... They look to progress. I really feel for them because they'll be thinking, obviously like, you know, the Frauen Bundesliga is, is a tight one between them and Wolfsburg and they're defending champions. But you really showed that progress at international level, like in the Champions League. And this was a year where they would have been hoping to push forward. Mm -hmm. Like you look at this and they're looking at this going like, we had seven players out and this is how close we came. Yeah. Because they, they should be actually, the, they should be looking to push themselves into, let's throw that there. They should be saying, let's make ourselves in the top three teams in Europe. Mm -hmm. Let's just go for it. You know, we may not get there, but we showed that we could really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Chelsea in the Champions League. That's no, that's no slouch, right? Obviously, Barcelona and Lyon are kind of out by themselves at this point still slightly, but if we can push into that third or fourth spot, and this was the year for them, and frankly, like a PSG team who've been in disarray off the field, and who knows how much mm. that chemistry has yeah. affected, who knows how much those issues, can I say this as well? 
shout out to Amlata Diallo, to be as professional as she's been, to line up in that team, given what's gone on and perform as she did. I thought she had a good game, actually, to be honest. I thought the problem with her PSG wasn't so much the individual performances, it was the chemistry, yeah. actually. So yeah, shout out to Diallo because she's gone through a lot. But I almost felt like if someone had said to you, this is a team that's had off-field issues, you could watch this and you could believe it. I think what you said about PSG being a match for Barca, I think whoever comes through from that Juventus Leon tie is well worth keeping an eye on because Leon yeah. are three points clear of PSG in the league and Juve mm. beat them 2-1 in the first leg. Mm. I mean, yeah, Ellie Carpenter got sent off for, for Leon when they were 1-0 up and they went on to lose 2-1. So I know that that would have had an effect on the game, but still, this Juve side, they've caught a few people out this year. They're top of the league by five points in Italy and mm. They're quietly just going about their business. Yeah. You know, when you were saying before about how you get those people who, some of those teams who start coming through and people don't really know what to make of them yet and they catch a few people out. I think that's where Juve are kind of at at the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that on Friday. But yeah, unlucky Bayern. Props to PSG for going through. And uh, what a week of Champions League, you know, the, a really noisy part to prance for PSG against Bayern and a sold out great attendance for as well. Classico. Yeah, exactly. I think PSG had a record attendance as well. Like, I think um, almost 30,000. Wow. Incredible. Big deal for them. Um, yeah. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about the Men's World Cup qualifiers. Let's do it. It's only a kick, a jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, man. Welcome qualifiers. Spicy. Most of them yep. are done. We're just waiting for a few to be played in playoffs. Let's start because we have a we have quite a number of listeners in in North America. So let's start with Canada. Canada are through yes. to their first World Cup in thirty six years. They finished top of their group. It was never in doubt, really, was it? No. You know, they actually lost their final game to Panama, but you know they were on the beach, the metaphorical beach. <laughs> were they in our nomination for Team of the Year last year? the stadios uh, the women were the men should be this year for the sure the men will be this year I think there you go an early glimpse into the stadios this is just a really exciting time for this generation of Canadian football in general in the men's and the women's game but we should give some props because the job that John Herdman has done has been incredible but also people like Jason DeVos 
and a lot of the team behind the scenes who kind of kick-started this Canadian youth program however many years ago now and, put, and really started to invest in that infrastructure. You're now starting to see, see it come to fruition. And yeah. I just think it's going to be really, really exciting to see them and the US who made it through despite losing to Costa Rica. Slightly, slightly hairy there, wasn't well, it? A little you know bit. What? Yeah. When the second one went in, I was just like, how many more do they need to make the banner obsolete? Yes. Oh dear. The unveiling, unveiling the banner before you've officially qualified is uh, yeah, extremely, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> extremely sketchy. For those who didn't see, uh, so the US men's national team, after their penultimate game, basically like ran down the middle of the pitch or jogged them into the pitch with a banner saying qualified for the World Cup. And they still had to like, they basically had to avoid defeat to Costa Rica by six goals. Yeah. And they lost 2-0 and they were 2-0 down with half an hour to go. Implosions have happened before, not of that scale, but an implosion was possible. I just think you don't want people to have any more reason to come at you. That was a, I think it was a slight blemish, but um, Christian Pulisic all but did the work with a hat-trick in the, in the previous game against Panama and a team that had been difficult for them before. So that was shout out to them. On Canada, arguably they got the two of the most fun left-backs of the tournament, Sam Adekukbe and Alfonso Davies. They're like really, really, really fun. Play all the left-backs. Left-back Aris. Yeah, play all the left-backs. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I'm <bringing that laughs> for the Canadians. <laughs> Yeah, they're just great fun to watch. So shout out to them. Really excited for them. Really happy for perennial qualifiers, Mexico. Can I say Costa Rica should be kicking themselves? They should be. They They should be kicking themselves. Yeah, because really, actually, like they had enough to go through automatically. Um, But yeah, that's a strong, strong segment from CONCACAF. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. Shouts to Greg Beholter, who, you know, he gets a bit of stick. But mm. it's not easy managing the US. I don't men's think it team. is, you know. I don't, especially this generation. I think this generation of players can be quite, there's a lot of pressure there. And, but, you know, yeah. the goal is to qualify for the World Cup. They've done it automatically. They don't need to go for a playoff. They're fine. And they're young. They're young. They yeah. have disciplinary issues as well. They're, they're not like the core of that team is young. They've been stung by the last failure to qualify. That was a big deal. That was hanging over them. They had disciplinary issues with certain players, Sergio Dest in particular. So they've had their challenges. It's, mm. this was not, this was by no means foregone, mm. especially with Costa Rica having emerged, you know, a few years ago is actually really a legit force, mm. a team that it's not disgraceful if you get done by. So it's, um, you know, and Kelly Navas just lurking there. I mean, so you, you, you have, you have um, a really impressive qualification, I think, given all the, all the things considered, um, well, a job by Bahalta. So well mm. done to him. Well done to the US men's national team. But elsewhere in the qualifiers, I want to go straight to Africa. Well, before we do, can we just shout out the AFC? Because South Korea, Iran, Japan and Saudi Arabia all went through. Yes. South Korea were unbeaten. Uh, They finished a point ahead of Iran. Japan were top in Group B. Saudi Arabia finished second. And then Australia and the UAE are through to the playoff. The winner of that match will then face the team that finished fifth in South America, Peru, for... The final place. That is tough, Peru. That Oof. is a tough route in, you know. <laughs> that is a really, really tough route in. Sorry, I'm laughing just because it's brutal. It it's is brutal. brutal. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is brutal. Go on then. Calf. Let's talk Calf. about Calf. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Oh. Well, shouts to Karl Anka. Karl Anka went to... Ghana, Nigeria. Yeah, both. Nigeria, Ghana. Both legs. Yeah, so um, this was interesting, this game, this outcome, because Ghana got beaten by Comoros in AFCON just a few months ago. They so did. there was a lot, there was a lot of crowing 
There was a lot of crowing in Nigerian Twitter spaces, understandably so, when their traditional rival um, got defeated. And, you know, Ghana, they weren't, they weren't worth a victory. They weren't. Camorras were superior. Here's the thing, though. Thomas Partey, you talk about a redemptive arc. A redemptive arc. That's Partey's been, it's been strong, has been strong for Arsenal. Um, did not have the best tournament at AFCON. But emerged here, and there's a thing about Partey, like, you know, this was, it was more a bad mistake for the goal than a, than a great strike. But his overall performance, Thomas Partey, and we saw this with, you know, when he was at Atleti against Liverpool, this man absolutely thrives on extreme pressure. Extreme pressure. He is superb. He is absolutely, well, there was not much, I mean, that, that crowd in Abuja, that was, that was loud. That was absolutely wild, absolutely tense. And he went in there to bring that result out against this Nigeria team. Missed a couple of really good players, but still with, you know, a really strong attack. It's really a testament to him and to Ghana that the, you know, the key striker, Victor Osimhen, was really denied any kind of space. He had two spectacular efforts, uh, attempts at volleys, which if he'd scored would have been great goals. But that's basically the extent of what he was given. And we've seen Osimhen run absolutely right in Serie A in the last like, two, two or three months. He's coming off outstanding form. So for them to do what they did and to deny him all those spaces is really outstanding. And to mm. bounce back from AFCON, incredible. So disappointing for Nigeria, I have to say. But I think the selection was actually quite good. I think the deployment of the players, Adamola Lukman was impressive earning the penalty. I think, I think the tactics were good. Mm. I just think it was the, um, I wouldn't say it was desire. Desire is a strong word to use, but the intensity of Ghana's defence knowing that they had to get the away goal. So it's slightly in their favour at that point. Um, they did really well to get that nil-nil um, against Nigeria because they were kind of overmatched. Just have to give them endless credit. And this is, like I say, desperately painful, disappointing for Nigeria, but this is more Ghana's success than Nigeria's failure, I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's what, the first time they've not qualified for a World Cup in, since 2006? Mm. Yeah. After this game, there were some really horrible scenes in the stadium. Usha Komugisha reported that a reliable CAF source said that there was uh, the governing body had approved 39,000 fans for the game in the 60,000-seater stadium in Abuja, but that he believed that there were 80,000 fans in there. But after the game, players were rushed down the tunnel. They were dodging objects. There was a couple of reports of people leaving at halftime because they could just see that it was not safe. Mm. So yeah, that's it's a shame that that kind of marred what was a... Disappointing result, obviously for Nigeria, but I mean, as a as a as an occasion, was a was a big one. Yeah. Do we need to talk about Algeria? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Oh my look. god. Oh, okay. So Cameroon, Algeria. These ties, honestly, the footballing playoffs for the World Cup. If I've I've never seen a greater examination of footballing mortality than this round of playoffs. I mean, Algeria won the Afcon in 2019, mm. and now they're out to Cameroon. And no shame. And there was there was real, you know ebb and flow in this tie and this is this Algeria team was still still strong and the late winner like this is and the drama here as well because I think Algeria scored with um what like five minutes to go and then like Ikamba scores uh Ikamba of Leon who's had a you know he's had a, a tough time a, a mixed experience at Leon I think it's fair to say popping up with a great first time finish from about 10 yards out brilliant it's not instinctive finish but a guided finish low into the corner and scored like an iconic goal to take Samuel Etu's Cameroon. He's the president of the Federation now to another World Cup. And you know, Cameroon's success at AFCON level 
and at the World Cup is just like, it's one of the great continental stories, I think. Yeah, for sure, man. And obviously Senegal and Egypt had a rematch. Senegal did him again. The guts on Sadio Mane. The guts on Sadio Mane. I mean, really, to sc- so this again, this was a, a result whose outcome was marred by something I have to mention. The lasers being shone in the faces oh of Egypt God, players going up. This happened from the open. It was happening from like from the national anthem. I hate that stuff. It's so bad. Yeah. It happens so much in European football as well. Do you remember there was that run in the Classicos where there was always lasers around? It was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Gash Schmeichel had one in his face recently as well. Was that in the Euros? It should be bad. I mean, you should be, you should, should be kicked up. It's, it's you, should, so you should be removed dangerous. from the stadium. It's yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just not cool. Mm. Watching Mo Salah step up to the spot and having, you saw his face was, his face was tattooed with lasers. How can that not affect you? And the penalty to fly over the bar like that. Look, mm. Mo Salah is one of the best penalty takers in the world. In the world. So for him to slash a penalty over the bar, there have to be questions. There have to be questions about what that did to him. And, you know, this is the thing, like, the fact that we're just going to wander on and, like, not even consider a replay of that fixture, that does, that does concern me, Ryan, if I'm yeah. honest. It does concern me because it looks so unfair. And I say this as someone that loves Senegal. I love what they stand for. But that felt unfair watching that. Um, Sadio Mane coming through again with a crucial penalty and he has to be at this point one of the biggest big game players of all time. How you, how you send your team to an AFCON title and then to the World Cup back-to-back shootouts is just wild. Um, so yeah, shout out to him. Unbelievable. Yeah, Ghana, Senegal, Tunisia, Morocco, Cameroon from CAF. And we haven't even talked about Europe. Well, let's talk about Commonwealth real quick. Brazil, Argentina, Ecuador, Uruguay have gone through. No real drama there. The real drama has to come from um, oh, sorry, very quickly. Lovely moment. Uh, Julian Alvarez scoring um, against Ecuador. And there's a picture of him asking Messi for an autograph and then celebrating with Messi years later, which is lovely. Um, the big story, of course, is the elimination of Italy, which was yeah. a while ago. So we didn't, I mean, Twitter basically had its had its moment. But this just that, means they're nailed on to win the next Euros. Well, it just, I think no? that's a story to be told really? about. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Can I say? Really? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing. No. <laughs> Can I say this though? While we're here briefly, while before before we um bounce, let's put a pin in this for Spain, because Spain are dangerous. The Death Star is being assembled. Yeah, it's I don't, dangerous, I don't right? like that because Spain at all. Because it, it was dangerous in the Euros. You called it me. It was dangerous then, and it's even more dangerous now. Oh yeah, my low key favorite game yeah. of the Euros: Spain, Sweden, the nil nil draw. I was just well, like, my favorite. Actually, I, like I think Spain, Italy. I think Spain, Italy is my favorite now. Oh yeah, but you know me. Just yeah. Contrarian, yeah. No, not a contrarian. No, fucking. <laughs> Contrary, Hun. Contrarian. Contrarian. <laughs> no, I just, I just really enjoyed watching that game because I was just like, wow, this is kind of mesmerizing from Spain. But yeah, the, in terms of a spectacle, the, the, the Italy game is obviously amazing. But in terms of the, like, because that was the, that was Spain's first game in the tournament against Sweden. And, even, and a load of people were just hating on them for drawing nil nil. I was just like, they were really good, man. They were really good. And the way he's got them playing Luis Enrique and like the quality of player that he's got to return, Ansu Fati, it's, yeah. Spain is serious. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that North, I mean, it's not a shame for Portuguese fans, obviously, but it's a shame for North Macedonia that they can capitalise on that really amazing result against Italy and, and kind of make it through. But mm. Just a game too far, wasn't it? It was just a game too far. Yeah. But obviously we'll talk a little bit more about the teams in general when we do the draw reaction. Mm. Should we get out of here for now? I think we should. We've got yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff to do. We've got, got this F1 pod later and then... Uh, Get an early night before the draw tomorrow. Places to go, Get, people to see. Get an early night before the draw that's happening tomorrow evening. <laughs> 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 oh, it feels good to be back, man. We weren't even away that long, but you know. 
That's right, yeah. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, hanging in there with everything that's going on. Uh, yeah, theringer.com and theringer.com forward slash soccer. And Stadio Outro's plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on the Mouskovich Dance Band track called Ventura Bays. Uh, anything you want to add me to Kwonga? Nothing further. No further comments. Oh, we'll save it for tomorrow. <laughs> we're going to get some Friday night Okwonga. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much love, everyone. Stay safe, stay well. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then.